Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Now, I'm not going to be preaching directly on this passage, but it really sets up the passage that I will be preaching on. And, and really, if we go back, I know there are many uh, stories, and you've heard me say a couple times, oh, this is one of my favorite passages, but uh, this is uh, one of, it, it's got to be a top five. Ah, and it's the one that, that gets me as excited as probably as any others. And sometimes we end with it, and sometimes we use it in little pieces and different parts there. But I pray that it gets us just a little bit fired up today, right? I pray that it gets us in the right mindset of what God has done. I love the song we sang earlier. I think we're going to sing it again because it's just a reminder of the power that comes in all that he has done and all that he will do. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 8? We're going to be starting just verse 31 to 39. I said, not, not preaching from this, but boy, I just, it doesn't get much better in my mind than this. This is, this is like the Newt Rockney speech here. And this, is just, this gives us such a hope in what he has for us and the promise that he has for us and the love that he has for us. The connection, the intimacy that God desires for us is found so wonderfully in the words of this passage, the words that Paul has given. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also? along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. I'm going to repeat that for us. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for, with, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things, this is my favorite line. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we read your word, not just these words, but all of them, that we feel connected to you, that we feel your love, that we feel everything that you would have for us, Lord. Speak to us and let us listen. Let it be a forever a promise, an excitement, a connection, an intimacy with you that reminds us of this truth, that nothing, will separate us from your great love for us that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
I'm going to change just a little bit here. God's doing that. He does that every once in a while. But still going to be the main thing. As whipped up as we are, why is he why is he talking about some of this? And see, we always stop here because guess what? That's where chapter 8 stops, right? Well, we know, and I always like to remind us because it's a good teachable moment that these chapters and these verses, they are not in the original. These are things that we've added to help us, to help us get through it, and that's fine. And so when we talk about a spot, we can go to it quickly. But it doesn't really always stop exactly there. See, Paul has a problem here. Paul is wrestling with something. Paul wrestles a lot, right? Paul's wrestling with something, and it's something that many Christians throughout their walk wrestle with. It is something that the world has wrestled with in the most, in the most ugly and unbelievable of ways. The people have abused and misused his word. Boy, you thought you were going to get something just ready and exciting, right? Uh, when we get that chapter and we get that verse, we're ready for doing ready to go conquer the world because guess what? That we are more than conquerors. We're out to fight. But you know, Paul is still dealing with a theological issue. We preach in many ways here. I preach in many ways, but sometimes we've got to deal with some theological problems, some theological truths. Are you with me today? Is that okay? Okay, good. I like that. Well, we're going to deal with some of this. This is called, this is a problem that we have, and we are seeing it again. We have seen it through time, and we will see it continue through time until he returns, right? And in some of our darkest days, see, there's something here that we're dealing with that many would call the problem of the Jews. Now, don't get nervous, don't get worried, but this is reality. This is part of what we have. We have many people that take there and begin their walk and start their walk and read, and like, there's just this understanding, boy, these Jews that have been not faithful to God, that God has forgiven, that he has brought them through, and now they have, we have come to the point that the Messiah has come, and we put on this entire race of people this judgment, this killing of our Savior. But God knew. He planned. He put these pieces together. But like, if they will not even acknowledge and understand that Jesus is our Messiah, what do we do with the Jews? Has anybody ever wondered that? I think there's probably a lot of people that were like, this? Like, yeah, this. I don't know what to do with those, right? Paul didn't know what to do with those. Paul is confused sometimes as well, and he speaks to these. But this next passage speaks so much to that. I, I want us to be able to have this. And I don't want us to be go out into the world and have these discussions in complete ignorance because I think that that's what we've done. We kind of stay in that ignorance as bliss. Well, we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to talk about it. As long as nobody brings it with us, we don't have to deal with it very much, Right? But we've even seen in society today this word that we keep coming up to and hearing, right? Anti-Semitism. Anybody heard that in the news ever before in the last years? You know what? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is ignorance. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I'm going to skip to the end here. Because I, I want you paying attention to what I'm saying and not trying to figure out what I'm going to say. We have that problem sometimes, right? Trying to figure out what somebody's going to say. I'll tell you what I'm going to say, but then I'm going to help us get there. Are the Jews still God's favored chosen people? Yeah, I believe they are. Did they see, understand, know, and accept Jesus Christ in the ways that we as Christians have? No, they haven't. So how's that 
Here's the answer. I don't know. It is a mystery of God, right? I don't know how any of that works. I read through the scriptures and it's confusing. But I think we're missing some of the point. That's where I think Paul is at. And I, I, I stand before God, correct me. Let no one hear anything that I speak wrong today. Let it be your words. And if, they, if I say something wrong, let no one hear it through your divine power. God, I pray that as my personal prayer this morning. But also, when it's put upon my heart, I can't not preach something. Right? It's hard. We don't like to think about those things. We don't like where our mind goes in some things. But you know what? I think Paul is telling us, Really, we can think about things, we can study things, and we can still understand and know that there's the mystery of God, and here it is. There is freedom that it's not for us to do. We may think about it, but it's not for us to condemn, to judge. And I think our hearts, even in that conversation, even in those thoughts, are kind of missing the problem, missing the point. And I think Paul, in this next chapter, is thinking about such things. Let me read back through real quickly. It's a great passage. I hope we don't mind. When that shall we say in response to these things is, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, guess what? The Jews, can you not say that God has been for them through all this time? Is he going to change his mind? Is he going to change that he's no longer for them? That doesn't make sense. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all remember who paul might be thinking who us is because reading and starting with these words he might be thinking of just those christians but stay with me come back to that how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things who will bring any charge against those whom god has chosen it is god who justifies not us let god do what god does who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And all those wonderful words. Now, like I said, I don't think it stops there. I think when we read into this next part, we see something in Paul that is important. And he starts it out in a way that says this is important. He's saying to his audience, listen, I pray that my words are true. I pray that you understand the heart and with I am speaking. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it, conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Man, those are some big words there, right? This is saying, I'm telling you the truth. This is saying with every fiber of me, I, this I am sharing i am giving over to you listen trust me in this i believe it is through the spirit is what he's saying i have great sorrow and un unceasing anguish in my heart for i could wish that i myself were cursed and cut off from christ for the sake of my people those of my own race, the people of Israel. You hear what Paul is saying here. These are no light words. These are heavy words for him. 
He is saying here, I love these people so much. My heart and my burden for them is so great. I am anguished over what they are missing out on in Christ that I would give up my own relationship with him. I would allow myself to be separated. Now see, you can't just read that passage. Don't you have to understand what he just said, that nothing can separate me? They go together. He's saying, I would even give up and be separated from him if it were for them, that they would come to know him. Now how they come to know, I don't, I don't think we can fully grasp. I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off. We actually hear echoes very strongly of Exodus here in Moses. When Moses came down from the mountain, they had the golden calf that Aaron helped them do. And he says, God, don't destroy them. He says, forgive their sins. But if you won't forgive them, lock me out from your book that you have written. We see echoes here that it is always about other. It is having the heart, that Moses had the heart for God, that God heard and changed. And we see Paul here. We think Paul so often in his writings comes off really harsh, right? It's difficult for us. But we actually see a heart for others here that Paul would say, even to my own demise, if it would mean that they would know you. Do we as a church have a love for others so much that we do that we would say that same prayer. Now, thankfully, it's not our cup. What Paul's asking here is not something he can do. It's not for him to do that. That is what Christ already has done for them. That this is the this is the whole thing is that he doesn't need to do that. That he not only doesn't need to, that he can't do that. Then he starts to speak of of eight things in a very short period. The privilege that those Jews had. Recognizing where they started from. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. That they were from the beginning, that they were brought in before others. They were the chosen to become sons and daughters of God. Theirs is the divine glory. We again see many echoes of Exodus. We see the glory cloud that came that they were able to meet and have God in their presence. We spoke recently about that. The privilege of the covenants, that he is a covenantal God, that he gets into this relationship with us. We see that throughout that because of his has said his covenantal faithfulness his covenantal love and i tell you we are at a time of black friday right who's my black friday people i know i've asked that before none of them i don't buy that. nobody is okay i'm starting to see some hands now it used to be a lot bigger thing because you had to go out you had to get up early you had to stand in line try to, to to be one of the few that would gain something that there's a limited amount of right that there was something big and and that's kind of how we treat God a lot of times is we think that there's not this abundance of glory, that there's an abundance of grace, that there's an abundance of mercy that we have to hold on to ourselves instead of sharing this. And we used to think about it like this. But now, you know what? Good Black Friday. It, I don't even know. It doesn't even make any sense to call it Black Friday anymore, right? 
And then they, then they added for a little while Cyber Monday, but now you don't even have to wait for that. You, weeks beforehand, everybody can get the same deals, right? It's the same thing. Everybody gets it. You just got to get on and you just got to do it. The only way you can't really get the deal anymore now is what? To ignore it. To not accept it. God's covenant is like that. We, we come to him. And we see a transaction. And what's the best Black Friday deal? Is when I can get the most stuff, the biggest thing, for the least amount of cost, right? Well, there's nothing in this world that is more important, more valuable, than what God has already given us. And the cost is is the best Black Friday deal in the history of the world. That is who he is. And that's what he covenants with us. He's not doing it for his side, right? He just asks for us to listen, to follow, to be obedient. The next privilege is the receiving of the law. And make no mistake, there is privilege in the law. It is for our good. The temple worship, that he gave them a place to meet with him. And the promises. We could say that. And the promises, the promises of God, of what we rely upon, what we love the promises of God. It gives us a hope. It gives us assurance in the things that will come, the things that are for us because of what he has done. They had those promises. They had those covenants. They had the temple. Theirs, theirs are the patriarchs. We can't claim any connection to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, we can't claim any connection to those that don't go through those Jews. Don't claim a connection without that here's the one thing that just side note for for this thought this whole theological i tell you it's a struggle for a lot of people and it has caused some people to do some horrible things in this world amen if we had lived then and we've been those we wouldn't have acted any different we would have been at the bottom of the mountain melting down our gold to build a calf. That's how it works. We can go back further if you want to. We can go back to Genesis 2 and 3. We were in the garden. If you think we would have done anything different, we're wrong. There's connection. But we have a God that brings us from this point into, back into, restoration of the relationship with Him that we will be made knew that we will right all those wrongs that we'll be with him and we are in this and how that works i don't have a clue and maybe that makes you uncomfortable with me as your pastor but i believe in the mystery but i believe in the god but so much more i believe in the love of god i believe that when he says his promises are true that he spoke to them before he spoke to us that he's not changing his mind how that works i don't know and paul says i don't have to worry about how I don't have to. These were favored. Theirs is the patriarchs, and from them is traced the the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. That is a whole nother sermon. He is calling one of the few places we actually see, and it's translations, a lot of arguments, the Messiah who is God. It's one of those places that would bring about some real theological truths, but that's another sermon. all this to say it is not our cup there's something else here that paul changes so subtly 
that we might not understand. And this is, this is something I think that is key for who we are called to be as Christians too. First eight chapters of Romans, when he's speaking about these people that came before these chosen people, he uses the word Jew. And usually that, that word is, is for other, that others called them, that you were speaking from an outside perspective. But normally when you're speaking of an us that brings it together, you speak of the Israelites, you speak of Israel here. Jacob, I have loved you. Speaking of Israel. And his language changes for the rest of the chapter. In verse 4, the people of Israel. I think he's recognizing that there's no separation between he and they. He may not understand it. But God is a God that loves us when he covenants with us. And he has his said the covenantal faithfulness, the love for us. He will remain faithful to that. You see, he doesn't even stop there. He continues his language. See, we have a new covenant, right? We can go back to Jeremiah 31. There's a new covenant, but it's not a different covenant it is a renewing a renewing it's an extension it's a clarification it's a completion it's not a rejection it is a new covenant that is made more complete in the messiah it's not a change of that he is not denying them their place but he changes and proclaims their privilege See, even further on, we could go on throughout these chapters here, and we see some wonderful language about grafting, right? That the Gentiles that he is speaking to, they're being grafted in, but he even tells them, do, you do not support the root, the root supports you. He is making the connection that we're grafting in. If there's nothing good that we graft into, that doesn't work. It is only that it's grafting into something that is strong, something that is good, something that is apart. He is not separating us from him, and I don't think he is separating us from them. And Paul is saying, there is an us here. Like I said, I sit before you, and I cannot explain it. I've wrestled with it. But there is this problem that many have had over the years. And so we're preaching today, I believe, from God's word to continue that unity, even in our lack of ability to fully understand to not fall into the traps of us and them to say israel that we are connected we are still apart we have been grafted into the relationship that they had and that god will restore and that is important to who we are as christians as followers of god and when we have messed that up it has gone horribly, horribly wrong and has not been something that is a reflection of who God is and his love. That's why it's important that we do not fall into those traps, that there's a, a continuity in his story that has included all these things. And yes, we should have broken hearts for all those that haven't fully realized and understand what a relationship with Jesus Christ can look like. But that's where our heart is, that we would give everything, that they are more important than us, that we would put our own 
salvation if we could. So that anyone would come to know him. This isn't a Paul that hates the Jews. This is a Paul that is heartbroken over them. And anything different from us is not according to God's will. They are weak. And I believe that we even have a lot more outside. But I want to make them we too. Because I can remember when I was not part of worship. When my heart was changed. When my life was changed. When everything changed. And I'm born again. I'm born new. That I'm given new life. And given to be a part of this promise that has been a building throughout these ages. That as we come to this Christmas time, as we go through this Thanksgiving time, everything is centered around this one, Jesus. What he has done through his death and his resurrection so that we may never be separated from him. It just seems really odd to me to do this rah-rah speech that is so wonderful, so beautiful, that nothing can separate us, and then to turn around and have people think that the next passage is about separation doesn't make any sense. I can't explain it. Maybe that's my own inadequacy. But it's not my job. My job is to love, is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share what he has done in my life, that I am changed, that I am new, I am a new creation in him because he was willing to make a wonderful Black Friday for us. That he would give even his own son. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. I pray that we Start seeing others as just future others. And he is through it. And it's all because of what he has done. That's what we're going to sing today. We must continue to give praise for what he has done and know that there is no limit to his grace and mercy and his salvation. That there's no limit. We are not going to be at the end of the line and not get any. He makes available to any that would come and receive his love, his grace, his mercy, and praise God, his salvation. I love that you don't read this as a prayer, but this small section of scripture, but how does it end? Anybody? End of verse 5. Amen. Let it be so. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that we have spirits and hearts that instead of hate, instead of anger, this can go to so many things in this world. 
but we have anguish over those that are hurting. Those that have not seen who you are for them in their lives. Those that have not seen what is so readily available to them that our hearts would truly break. Not just say, but that our hearts would be truly broken. That if we could take the cup for them, we would because we love them as ourselves. That is the heart of Christ that you have shown time and again. And for all of these things, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.